Fika with Anika. The word fika is used as both a noun and a verb and is derived from the Swedish word for coffee. The Swedish coffee break is a moment to literally leave work behind. Taken at three in the afternoon, it's not a strategy for multitasking or for fitting in another mini-meeting. It's a chance to relax in the company of colleagues or friends. The key is to pause your day. So, brew up some coffee, grab a seat, and embrace Fika. And so here we are again. It's Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. and it's time for Fika with Anika. I uh, have in the studio a, uh, a, a newbie here to ANZA. Um, I happened to see on uh, one of the Facebook posts about a uh, permaculture course that was uh, going to be happening in the next month or so. And I said, you know what, this is somebody I need to bring in to the, to the station to find out what this person and all the other people are all about. So with uh, no more ado, I'd like to welcome my guest. If you could please introduce yourself. My name is Lucian. Toma. And uh, you come here from uh, San Diego and Orange County, from what I understand that you've, uh, you're uh, a, a sustainable um, living uh, consultant and uh, a permaculture uh, expert and consultant, and you probably have a lot more uh, background than that that I'm not aware of yet. <coughs> so uh, with that said, I'd like, uh, like you to go ahead and grab the mic. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'm Lucian, as I said, and most of my friends from Orange County and San Diego County think I'm crazy because I moved on a uh, on a farm, on a 40-acre farm in Anza with a dirt road. It's pretty hard to get there sometimes, especially when it rains, uh, and it doesn't rain that, that much. But uh, anyway, but, um, you know, it's, it's not crazy at all because I do come uh, from a dirt from a place that um, you know was connected to the next big town with a dirt road. I grew up in Romania. I was born and grew up in Romania in an environment where we grew all of our food. Uh, we built our homes from uh, natural resources, natural uh, materials. Um, and everything that we could not grow for ourselves, we, uh, we bartered in the village. So uh, great relationships there, always connected. And um, it, it feels like home. It feels like home to be in Anza. Um, well, Hut, go ahead. Well, Were you about to ask me something? I, I well, think so. I was, because when you said building from natural um, uh, resources, uh, I mean, I have an interest in things like adobe <coughs> brick and um, uh, building rock homes and uh, straw bale homes, mm -hmm. and uh, that all fits inside the uh, permaculture uh, vision and, and uh, goal. So is that something that uh, you do? Sure, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, growing up with, uh, with seeing all these things around, you know, it really felt that this is how everybody's doing it. Um, and at one point, when I discovered the outside world, <laughs> I, uh, I figured that, um, you know, it started to seem like it's backwards to build your own home with natural materials that you find in your vicinity, in your forest, in your riverbed, you know, rocks, uh, you know, wood, uh, cob, uh, so simple. I mean, you can find, you can make this material from anywhere, sand, clay, straw, water, you find it anywhere. Um, 
and then as I got further and further from 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 that place of, of growing up uh, it started like everything you know the buildings and everything around started to feel like so unnatural and I start seeking um, you know seeking how to how to get back to that like it just felt so much better um, I was actually um, in a master's program in Hawaii uh, Hawaii Pacific University I was uh, doing a master's in global leadership and sustainable development and we talked a lot about you know world problems and solutions to our world problems to ecological degradation to even community and cultural degradations around and um, you know it, it started to look like the solutions came from you know weird places like where I grew up like this wasn't backwards anymore um, you know big sustainability uh, thought leaders and consultants and authors out there were saying that in order to heal what we have degraded and actually build uh, a future that we can all live in and and um, you know with, with abundance of nature and uh, indefinitely sustainably that we would have to look at these alternatives so natural buildings definitely became something really really easy to kind of get back into and the the coolest thing I found as I took many courses permaculture courses natural building courses um, the coolest thing that I found is that you know we live on different continents and in different countries and in different cultures but guess what we're like the indigenous wisdom is almost the same like just looking at what do we have here and uh, what can we do with it and um, you know a lot of similarities I mean when I learned that for example Cobb building was attributed to let's say to the Native Americans of the Southwest I was like hold on we're doing this too it's like we may be you know we we are native to to those lands too so it just it was just so beautiful to see that you know all it takes is us as humans observing what's happening in nature uh, and looking at things and saying like what can we do with these things and natural buildings are sustainable because you know right now the homes that we have we build them with materials from who knows where in the world and when they get degraded somehow if there is a, an earthquake or um, I don't know a, a big rain or fire for example you know we depend on those materials from from really far away to you know to buy them and they're possibly very expensive to fix our homes or to build to build our homes so when you build with stuff from you know your local environment then you always have something to fix them with oh absolutely I mean I would think up here I mean we have such beautiful rocks and rock formations up here that I'm surprised to not see more homes that are built with uh, a rock foundation mm -hmm. and maybe some uh, uh, even though we don't have many forests around here but you know some timber and cob mm -hmm. and uh, the only thing that actually is still standing are some of the old adobe homes mm. which are you know uh, 50 to 100 years old maybe mm -hmm. and uh, they're s still standing yeah I mean that's that's exactly the beauty of it and you know some people may say well like this sounds like some kind of like hippie crazy um, talk here I mean how are we gonna be able to to do something like that indeed it takes more time 
to build structures from um, natural materials that you would find in, in the environment where you build these homes. Um, and then they also like last way longer, just like how you said. I mean, there are cob buildings in parts of uh, North Africa, uh, a lot of like dry lands that are 20 stories high and they're still standing and they were built long long time ago uh, compared to you know building from you know the cheaper type of materials that we're doing today uh, there are a lot of examples out there when when big fires for example come in in a community it burns the fire burns down all the all the homes that are made from the regular materials that we're, we're used to and then the cob homes are uh, are sticking around and then of course I mean even if you have a regular home there's like permaculture strategies that you can actually apply to protect that home knowing that you're in a fire danger zone too using natural materials exactly so I think the biggest hurdle we have is not so much <coughs> that people don't uh, wanting to use it it's that the county regulations that mm -hmm. you get to be able to get a permitted structure mm -hmm. of something that you made by yourself and unfortunately we live in a county that uh, uh, at least up until to date hasn't really uh, been too progressive mm. I'm hoping to see that that will change um, yeah, I, change definitely happens. I mean, and, and that's the point of, um, you know, activists like yourself, for example, you know, working in this field. And, um, you know, we have all the knowledge and education and approaches necessary out there. I mean, we've been around this planet for a long time and there have been a lot of people that basically said, here's how what works, here's what doesn't work, you know, in books, history and all that. I mean, we just have to dig deep deep a little bit um, I actually do know of an organization that's a, a, a really beautiful organization It's in Ventura County actually and they do have a um, a permaculture settlement where they teach a lot of permaculture courses and natural building uh, courses and um, the instructor uh, because now she kind of created like a critical mass of students that know how to build with natural um, uh, materials now she's focusing a lot on the policy side so she is demonstrating not only on that site that natural buildings work that they're fire resistant earthquake resistant uh, way cheaper to to build and maintain uh, when I say cheaper I mean from a material point of view but it's definitely involving the community quite a lot and how beautiful it is to get together and build a home a straw bell home a cob home and um, yeah can I can I say her name yes uh, yeah mm -hmm. her name is Sasha Robin and she is at Quell Springs Permaculture so they have actually built a few buildings on their premises they have about a hundred acres the environment is actually very similar to what we have here in Anza um, maybe closer to the ocean though um, not really actually it's like it's uh, inland from Ohio Oh. So it's, uh, okay. yeah, so that's uh, Ventucopa, something like that, I think it's called uh, the city. They have amazing programs there. So, you know, the county comes every, you know, every season and they look at the, these buildings and they keep on checking. And, you know, they've been working on a lot of policies. And, I mean, how amazing would it be if we were able to do it, at least in the rural environment, if... Um, if not, you know, until we can move into the suburban. I don't know if we're gonna bring, if we're gonna build a hundred uh, floor 
cob structures <laughs> anytime soon. But but you know you never know, you never know. So well, at least start small and you know build little adobe buildings if nothing mm. else as a as a goat pen or for for the animals. There we go. And start there and work on your technique. Where it's actually legal, 125 square feet of uh, you know not permitted non you know. You don't have to permit a structure like that. That's right, wink, as long as wink. you don't pull in plumbing and electrical. Right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, further to the, the idea about permaculture, uh, I would imagine that what you're planning on doing with your farm, and uh, how long has your farm been in existence, the one year in Anza? So, um, we, this, we learned about the place, that the place is available for us uh, in January, and we've been coming back and forth between January and April, and then in April we started to um, redo the house, the house was in pretty bad condition, and then we moved uh, full-time, well, 80% full-time uh, in June, so mid-June. So we wow. haven't been here that long, but I've been back and forth in Anza for many years, uh, helping with some rock construction, rock walls and rock uh, towers, actually. I'm pretty proud of them. They're, they're in different parts of town. And they're still standing. And they're, they're standing. <laughs> wow, we need someone to build our monument here where it says, <laughs> welcome Anza, you may just have volunteered for that. There we go, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, so, yeah. so it, we're talking like less than eight months that you've, uh, or even six months that you've had boots on the ground here in yep. Anza. Yep. And uh, uh, I know that you're probably still trying to get your bearings, but I would imagine with a, a permaculture farm that you would have uh, things like bioswales and uh, uh, do companion planting and, um, uh, you know, uh, other things. So uh, are, you, are you doing raised bed gardening? Are you in the ground? Mm. How are you doing this? Oh man, uh, well, you know, as a permaculture designer, um, what I know is that all good things come with good planning. There is a saying in permaculture, uh, David Holmgren, uh, he's uh, one of the founding fathers, he says that, you know, if you want to get anything to be, you know, resilient, to be regenerative, to be sustainable, to, to, to last for, for an indefinite time, you want to put about a hundred hours of planning and designing and researching whatever else you need to find about the place where, where you're putting a system in place and then put 10 hours of labor. And those oh. and those ten hours of labor can be so effective. I mean, just you just surprised me with that number. I, I just, was expecting a much higher number. Yeah, just to kind of like uh, put in perspective. I mean, we we that's why this first year for us from the beginning has been a year of observation. Um, I mean, we started my my partner and I, Anna Maria, who's a beekeeper, regenerative beekeeper, herbalist, urban farmer, women gatherer, zero waste events consultant. Uh, lots of good background also. Um, we have been, first of all, really did a lot of research about the area. I am a permaculture designer for, for uh, dry landscapes, so I do have some background in that. Um, not so much in high desert, but it just happened that my partner had that because she grew well, up... Well, we're mid-desert. We're yeah. not really high or low. Okay, okay. <laughs> so she, she, um, she grew up in Reno, so uh, yeah. some similar some similarities. So what we did, we researched heavily, uh, first of all, to understand everything about the ecosystems here, to understand about the environment, the climate, um, 
climate, weather, a little bit different. Uh, soils, uh, culture also, like what kind of people are here, what are people doing? We looked at the local farms. Um, and then we also researched and looked at similar places in the world and what, do, what are people doing when it comes to farming. Um, and I mean, if you draw a line on the latitude of Anza around the world, you can find a lot of places that are very similar to, to Anza. So we did a lot of that research, first of all. And then we, we started to come here on a regular basis. Like, as I said, for the past 10, 15 years, I've been going back and forth here. And, um, you know, we came here and we started to observe the environment to see what's possible. We looked at the soil, we looked what we have on the property, and we've been pretty blessed. There's actually a, 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 a creek forest on, on that's going through our, through our property. And that was like really good news for us. A lot of cottonwoods, willows, um, elderberries. Uh, so we, re we really observed the, the landscape, first of all. And one of the people that lived there, we don't know exactly who, who that person was, but they also built already a berm around the living quarters. Um, and we, we figured that they did that to protect the house from the floods and um you know to keep like the, the the natural creek the seasonal creek going in another direction then we also learned that that creek was actually running all year long too from some locals that have uh, that were grown up there and that just looking from some of the work that these people did before us we realized that they created some natural um you know uh bioswells for example um you know, a bioswell really fast is just a, a way of working with earth, moving earth to uh, harvest free water, harvest rain, to basically slow, spread, and think the uh, and sink the water, and that's really valuable in a in an environment like this. Yes. Um, of course, because we have super sandy soil, you know, layering, um, you know, all that soil that 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 you're moving around, creating these berms and basins <coughs> where you're capturing water. Yeah, you, know, you want to fill them up with a lot of organic matter like mulch, and we have a lot of that. So we're clearing the forest right now. Not completely. We're just going in the forest, and we're uh, we're clearing a lot of that, um, you know, dead stuff number one we're reducing the, the the chances of a fire there you know so taking some of that fuel away and we're 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 chipping that by the way we're 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 in the market for a chipper if anybody out there has one <laughs> a big one an industrial size yeah and we're yeah. chipping that and we're you know we're making that in, into mulch did you find like pack rats and things like that are you displacing any of the uh, the the people that live underneath no we've 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 actually looked at this i mean it's it's kind of amazing what's happening uh, um you know we know that they were here and we heard stories exactly from the people that that lived in this area that you know in that forest every time and in the creek they would have to walk through it when they would go to school back and forth and that you know walking through the forest they'll see a lot and they said they haven't seen um these animals in a long time the quails are still there uh, we definitely do see uh, the the rats for sure, uh, but definitely not as much as before. So our plan is not only to farm, and that's why, you know, we practice regenerative agriculture. Uh, we practice permaculture farming, 
And what that means is that we're not coming just to take, to basically grow something, a product to eat ourselves and take to the market. But regenerative agriculture is all about enhancing the local ecosystem because when you have a healthy local ecosystem, then you have healthy um, farming also. You know, when it comes to soil, when it comes to biodiversity, predatory insects, um, you know, even the rats can do quite a lot of pollination. <laughs> so, um, and, and we're looking at that and, you know, a big, a big goal of ours is to possibly connect with everybody in the valley where we live and, and see if we can actually heal that, that watershed. And that's part of that. And we take all of that into consideration uh, when we are disturbing the, the ecosystem. And permaculture kind of talks about that too, that, you know, you may have these emergent properties when you're disturbing an ecosystem in a smart and intelligent way, like how would nature do it? So we're there as, you know, stewards of, of the earth. And, um, you know, in the process, we, we get to eat <laughs> and we get to feed other people and we get to teach other people, which is, uh, you know, the big purpose of, of, of us being here. Now, you mentioned that your partner is an herbalist. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, are you looking into the, uh, the native plants and their medicinal values <coughs> and how maybe the Indians how they use the plants? We are, we are, and, and we are connecting with the local tribe and we're, we're tapping into um, lots of resources and now we know that we know you, so we know we have another resource. We're tapping into that for sure. Um, I mean, she already works with that. Being a beekeeper, you know, that's a big value uh, to her. So, you know, again, as, as a permaculturist, I, I know that in general us as people we have these visions for you know a landscape or a farm and we want to impose it in it we want to get what we want to get out of it and when we do that you know the struggle is 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 even more intense and um, you know we we're gonna get to fight with mother nature and she's been around for a long time she knows how things work so that's why as permaculturists we work with nature and we know that you know if we wanted to have a, a medicinal plant farm we know that we would want to tap into the things that work best there and what's going to work best the native plants of so um that's big big part of our of our direction uh have you been in touch with the idlewild uh school the uh, arts school they do not yet a native plant uh, intensive course. Wow. Yeah, that's something you probably want to look into. Well, we need to we need to go and attend. Uh, yes, <laughs> they usually have it in May. Fika with Anika. The coyote. Listen to it. Attention Mountain residents. Recognizing community needs in the age of technology, the Anza Electric Cooperative is partnering with the Riverside County Information and Technology Department and Anza Community Broadcasting KOIT to distribute refurbished desktop computers for free to income qualified residents. These desktop computers come loaded with Windows 10 and Home Office. If you're interested in seeing if you or your family member qualifies, the applications are available online at anzaelectric.org, at the Anza Electric Cooperative Front Office, 
at Lorraine's Pet Supply and in the box outside of the KOYT station. Once you have filled out your application, it can be scanned and emailed to fundraising at koyt971.org. It can be mailed P.O. Box 391-229, Anza, California, 92539, or handed in at Lorraine's Pet Supply, the co-op office, or in the mail slot at the KOYT station. Got an older car that's not working and is going to be too expensive to repair? KOYT Coyotes can pick it up, get top dollar for it, and use those funds to support Anza Community Broadcasting. KOYT your community radio station. For more info, call 951-763-5698. KOYT LP Anza, your public radio station. Welcome back to Fika with Anika. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I haven't had a chance to attend it myself, but I know that uh, uh, you learn a little bit about basket weaving and, mm. and other things too. So it, mm. it's, uh, it could be really interesting. Yeah, okay. I mean that that's that's such a big part of of how we could be farming everywhere in the world. I mean, understanding the local environment. The the best way you can understand the local environment and how to work with it is by tapping into the local community. And, and learning from the community, learning from uh, the people that have been there or, um, you know, and they learn themselves hands-on or possibly from other resources by, you know, living there, grandpapa and, you know, other people that they connected with. I mean, books don't always have the, the answers, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, we found that when we start searching about Anza. <laughs> so, um, you know, possibly we will contribute to that gap in, in um, you know, and information that's available out there too. Even though there's quite a lot um, about this area. Okay. So. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, are you planting any of the native uh, shrubs and trees? Or, or are you, uh, when you're talking, like a food forest, for example, mm -hmm. are you planning on incorporating the native shrubbery and, and uh, medicinal, you know, medicinal or food value plants? Of course, of course. I mean, again i mean it's it's like we do and we tend to do that to us as as permaculture designer and re, uh, designers and regenerative farmers we definitely you know revisit the idea of like how we designed the place first and we we revise to 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 look at it as in like what are we going to leave behind and and again it's like what kind of effort are we going to put in to first of all to you know to, to put the plants in whatever plants we choose and then to manage them knowing that the local environment is going to allow these plants to 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 thrive because they already do and we're just there as just the stewards and, and kind of like helping these plants a little bit right. <laughs> um, so yeah yeah that's what uh, that's what we're looking to do so just out of curiosity are you planning on doing drip irrigation uh, well, we're going to have a few areas where we are going to do some market gardens, where we are going to grow some foods for the market that, um, you know, that there is already a demand for, quote unquote, right? Like, um, you know, grapes, for example, you know, they work great here. Uh, stone fruits, fruit trees, stone fruits. Um, we'll try some nut trees. Um, of course, a lot of perennial um, veggies and herbs that are not 
from this area, but they're uh, that they're not invasive either. So we're looking at that a lot. I mean, uh, I'm not going to bring fennel here. <laughs> uh, and um, well, I don't think it would become invasive. I think it's. Uh, you think would it would? It would. I, I think it, it might. I mean, I've I've seen some uh, down the street from some of the farms, some fennel and some sunflowers that are not like you know from here, and you know they're they're thriving in this environment. And as as uh, you know, environment changes, then they're not doing so great. Um, but yes, we are going to use uh, drip irrigation for, for some of our um, uh, market gardens. Of course, um, you know, we're looking at a balance between, you know, what can we, what can we take to the market so we can do the type of work that we're doing. And then, um, you know, if we need to kickstart some of these uh, native plantings, we're going to use that too. So we're in that process. We're not, we're not in a hurry. And, and that's the idea of observation, you know, observe and interact. That's the number one principle of permaculture, to observe right. and interact. And, and you know, there's two uh, true native nurseries up here. Okay. There's several nurseries. Some of them are more for the commercial uh, gardening mm -hmm. and, and uh, so on. But if you're looking for true natives, I can hook you up with two of them. I like, so I like, I like yes. being hooked up with. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, I think it's a good thing to try to uh, it, it's kind of, yeah, right. You know, if you're moving to an area, try to at least use the same plants yeah. as what should have been there to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we come from a place of love. I mean, we developed this homestead in San Clemente. So it's a one-acre homestead. And, you know, it, a lot of people, when we were saying we're farming, we're urban farmers, and they would come to our place and they'd look and be like, I don't see anything to eat. It's like, well that's because you're not looking closer or you don't know what's edible in here and we don't see any any herbs or anything like that and and it, and it seemed messy in the beginning but we you know being aware of ecological succession which is what happens in nature when a disturbance occurs you know how things progress from uh, you know the first weeds to the shrubs to the trees um, the pioneer species exactly so so knowing that and and we know it it it, you know what's so beautiful about Anza actually that is not a very disturbed place that there's a lot of like intact ecosystems that have been here and evolved here for for a long time and that's like really beautiful to see I mean we see signs of ranching for example where we at and we know that there uh, uh, you know the the area had more fauna uh, flora not fauna well fauna and flora and that ranching kind of like took that away and, and um, we're excited to, to be able to to bring some of that back. Maybe all of it. <laughs> you go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you? Are you planning on uh, going like uh, certified organic? And you're talking. <coughs> I'm, I'm hearing just some keywords here, like the market. Market garden. G garden. Yeah. And so, you, are you planning on going to farmers markets? Yep. All right. Yeah, farmers markets for sure, because we don't like a lot of packaging. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we, we've had the opportunity and I've actually worked with, with a few small farms, uh, mostly urban and suburban farms that have looked for um, solutions to, you know, to their growth. And, um, you know, I've always told them that, you know, if you are an urban suburban farm, you're, you're feeding the local people you're feel, feel feeding the local market and you should be okay with that once you go into like 
you know shipping online and all of that and you're kind of like getting away from you know the regenerative and sustainable part of the business so you know i really believe that we can create this local local food systems everywhere local medicine system you know healing systems so yes we want to go and we'll go as far as temecula and um and palm springs um and see what else locally we can tap into right yeah right but again you're just at the planning stages right now and yeah then, yeah um I you mean, know we had to get your certification for the farmers markets yeah as a producer and We've done that before. It. It's it's actually not even a that hard of a of a process. Some people are really scared. Um, I can't believe actually people help you know paid me to help them get a <laughs> get to be <laughs> certified. Uh, uh, so yeah, I did <coughs> farmers market. So I'm really glad that you you know you took the conversation in this direction and. Um, you know, I've I've observed this. Um, I've done I've done some some. I would say for the past decade, I've done a lot of work in the world of sustainability. And starting with going to school in this uh, in this direction, the sustainable development, and definitely the people that were affording to um, be in this master's program were people of you know more affluent means. And then. Um, you know, I was also getting involved with a lot of uh, student and community organizations, and that's where I actually learned that uh, most people don't have access to, you know, to and not only access but also like the time, for example, um, time as a resource to to basically sit down and 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 be able to learn something deeply uh, because they have to do other things, you know, they have to hustle and, and make money somehow. And that's definitely like big part of the problem. And um, you know, I've, I've worked as a consultant and felt really good having a suit and tie and driving a, an electric car to LA <laughs> on a regular basis, taking the train too. And um, you know, then I joined an organization that was really grassrootsy, really uh, giving access to um, a lot of people through through volunteer work, for example, to learn and um, also some pretty affordable uh, workshops that's for sure and and still you know like our biggest thing at that organization was to reach the masses to bring the people in to to show them that there's access and at the same time as an organization we also had to um, have offerings for the more affluent uh, society too so that we can be able to have that balance so what I discovered, you know, at one point I just stepped out and, and started to do my own thing and that was like the number one thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to bring this kind of, um, you know, uh, reconciliation of, of this like poor and rich, who can afford, who cannot afford to know, to learn, to have the knowledge, to have the skills, to build a life around it, to build a business around it and um, I'm doing that right now. And I'm doing that, you know, you could say I'm a little bit of a Robin Hood besides the fact that I don't steal from people. But I do invite the, 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 the affluent society to, to come and learn with me. You know, I mean, a lot of them are my clients, people that I uh, design landscapes for or people that I design uh, programs for or business consulting for them. 
um, and they're always on on that list you know they they don't even know that I do the work for them to actually have them on that list to reach reach out to them to give some money for scholarships and it's definitely it's 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 needed it's definitely needed and um, you know there's a, there's a language to create um, and then you know I realized that that's not the end of it that that's not sustainable either to focus big part of, of someone's business towards you know that um, kind of like what would you call it, a distribution of resources and, and give access to, to as many people as possible so what I do you know all people that come and take my courses you know they come to you know I would say 80% of the people come to learn it for themselves like what's in it for me what can I learn to start a business to start whatever if it's a farm if it's a landscape design if it's sustainability consultancy consultancy and having them there they don't know what they get themselves into because I am looking to inspire empower and support people and their transformation as a world citizen to understand what the problem is and how can they be part of that um, and that's that's a that's a really big part of my work you know a lot of people think that I'm a permaculture designer and, and farmer but I'm more of a you know people farmer kind of thing oh I love that <laughs> so and and it's so amazing because especially my young students and the ones that got scholarships or work trades or payment plans you know like the really dedicated ones it's like okay you offered to do a payment plan no scholarship for you it's like I like that commitment that they're putting that into their work right now like that stuck with them I mean I have like a few techniques that I make sure that they remember like coming in a speedo in one of the classes when I'm trying to make a point about social justice <laughs> they'll always remember that you know I hunt them so so that's a big part of it you know that's a big part of it and I think it's really missing from our society I mean there are a lot of amazing programs out there at the academic level for sure um, and you know there's a difference between when people for example because I teach at the college level too when people go to a course for example to a class for credit there's a different type of dedication a different type of commitment and that's why I really love organizations small organizations and and community organizations that you know have this you know offer education that you could possibly learn in school and of course a lot of things that you can learn in school um, that um, you know they they uh, they make this available and that it's like so much deeper and and people connect and it's in nature that's like that's like number one thing I mean we're from nature that's where the, we are the most inspired the most empowered that's where we get all of our energy from so when we are in nature learning with other people that are like-minded are there for the same thing well we got a beautiful thing it's going family. on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like you were saying that it, it is hard, definitely, uh, you know, business-wise in a town like this, for example, uh, definitely is business-wise. It, it, it's pretty tough. I would like to challenge that and say that we have opportunity at, at every corner. I mean, Mother Nature has given us so much, and we just need to kind of like peel that onion and, and look really deep and and never stop learning. I always say learn intentionally, consciously, don't just 
wait for the learning to happen, you know, like, oh yeah, I have experience, 50 years I've been waiting for this revelation. Just intentional, conscious, and continuous. And, um, you know, if, if, if that trade-off, you know, for some maybe it seems weird, but I, I don't think it's a bad trade-off to say we're going to tap into the affluent community to, you know, bring resources to a place like this, for example, so we can, you know, help others that don't have those resources. And, you know, that's the type of work we have to do at this time until we're going to have, you know, um, a Jacques Fresco kind of world, if you're familiar with that. Yes. The Venus Project. Yes. <laughs> we don't know if that's the best either. Mm, we'll so, um, so lots of learning. And, and at the same time, it's, it's just so beautiful that people, um, that there are a lot of people that are uh, getting enlightened and really like learning about nature, how to work with nature, and how to create careers, businesses, um, you know, families, communities around, you know, earth and people-centered kind of like knowledge and awareness. I mean, that's well, like... Right, well, the thing is, I mean, what you're, you're teaching and it is not anything new. Yeah. I mean, had we listened to our grandparents, yeah. we would have known this. Mm -hmm. But instead, you know, we became more industrialized and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, families didn't live so close. And so the grandparents that would have taught us certain skills, you know, it just wasn't available. Mm -hmm. So even though, you know, you, you called it, uh, uh, what was that word for the hippie? Tesla hippies? Yeah, the Tesla hippies. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I, I think um, the, you're not teaching anything that's, that's revolutionary. Um, I think I do, actually. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like challenge that. Okay. Um, I think I definitely do. Um, and that's because, you know, there's a, a different type of experience uh, that I bring to the table, you know, coming from from the background that I do for sure. Uh, but also there have been a lot of improvements in, in language, first of all, and how to communicate these things. And realizing that there is a combination of not just like knowledge and skills on earth living, kind of like, you know, things that you can do practical, practical things that you can do, but, but you know, community building. And individuals, again, as, as um, you know, as, Earth and people-centered citizens, if you want to call that. Um, so a lot of people are turned off by that, and they're not taking my course, that's for sure. But we put a lot of emphasis on that, on that part of it. Um, and, and you're right. You know, I would say that in the past 30 years, probably, we had the most you know, progress into figuring out, number one, how to communicate and how to most effectively this kind of education to transform people not in not just in people that have knowledge and skills into you know how to do it for themselves but how to be integrated and and seeing that they are part of the world and that they are part of the whole system and that you know I have the saying I got from a leadership program I got one time if we don't all get it none of us will so you know the the Tesla hippies if they think that they're really happy and that their life is thriving and beautiful well they got way more to learn that uh, you know they're not at their optimum so um, yeah we got work we got work to do and and that's why back to that 
you know, to that conversation of like, you know, the poor people don't have access to it. That's why, you know, a lot of the people from poor backgrounds that come to my to my courses, what I want to get out of them is not to make them a landscape designer or a farmer. I want to have them be educators, influencers, community leaders. And it takes some time, but it's just beautiful. I wish this course was a year long. <laughs> well, know? it probably is, yeah. you know, for someone. Well, they're sticking around. They're always on my place. What else can we do? I got another idea. Here's this thing. Do you want to come volunteer? I'm like, no, that's your time, bro. I've done it. <laughs> right. You know, so yeah. I'm sorry for that. Uh, do you have hired help or do all people volunteer or how does this work for you? We have You've got uh, 40 acres to take care yeah, of. Yeah, we have, we have uh, two woofers, okay. if you're familiar with what that is. You know, people that travel and they want to gain experience by, you know, they live for free, they get food from us and they get to learn. And um, in our plan for the farm is to also bring people in as apprentices. So they need to have some skin in the game. It's uh, you know it's a little bit different than woofers. With woofers, it's kind of hard because the relationship is pretty loose. Um, you know when it comes to um, you know accountability and such. So we're and we've done this. We've done this in San Clemente before. People paid for their courses like that where they came for three months. They came like every few days and managed the greenhouse, for example. So we're looking at that model as something that is good for us and is good for the people that come and do it, uh, to, to come and learn. And um, for sure, we're gonna have to have somebody that's gonna be hired, uh, more in a role of a coordinator and kind of like leading the, the efforts rather than being hands-on, getting things done. And we know that this model works. We've seen it, we've been on farms like that. My partner, Anna Maria, has managed programs like that, uh, uh, an urban farm. Right, well, I saw that you, for example, have over 200 workshops under your belt. Yeah. So, you you know what you're doing at this point. Yeah, I mean, I wish I knew from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it takes it takes a little bit of time, and you know, I'm, a, I'm such a 100% optimist. Um, once in a while I watch a movie that kind of gets me all worried but then I you know I go through the spaces watch a movie don't watch movies for a year uh, but I, I am an optimist because I, I saw the change in myself first of all you know like how that transformation from looking at you know this earthy people-centered kind of things being backwards you know like dreaming of the spinning wheels and shiny lights and you know like yeah, office the, yeah. the the bling bling the, the the office work the 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 tesla <laughs> um you know it i'm really really an optimist that it's possible to 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 reconnect people with with what can really be what what is really important i mean again i'm pretty biased here uh, i'm trying to keep as open-minded as possible i can't decide really what my life is like all about in my work. I mean, I work with local governments. I work with small businesses, corporate. Um, I work in academia. I work with nonprofits, and I've been working with nonprofits quite a lot. But my favorite thing is to uh, teach, and I'm not a teacher in the kind of like main kind of 
meaning of that, like sitting there and keep on talking and talking about things. I like to guide people to find it themselves. So that's my new approach right now of, of leading people in that direction and having them really want it, like really want to get something. So is, are you, and I'm doing this with air quotes, are you like educated? For all that you've done, like, did you get like a master's degree in sustainability? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I got a I got a master's in global leadership and in sustainable development, and I would say that was like the best thing I could ever have ever done. I wanted to quit it like twenty thousand times. I would say that you know the main skills as a designer I got you know from actually courses like I'm teaching. And then the, the skills of facilitation for people and kind of like getting to people, you know, people learn in so many different ways and, and, and getting people to, to learn and to kind of like switch mindsets and all that. I also got from like other teachers, kind of like watching them. But it took me a while to, it took me a while until I started to pay attention to that, how that's being done versus the content itself. Um, so I basically spill all my beans when I teach. I don't keep anything. I tell people, here's how I did my landscape business. Here's how I managed my farm. I had a pretty successful microgreens farm <laughs> in the suburban um, area. That was the most successful. The other things were pretty hard. You know, selling veggies and fruits is, is hardcore. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it, you know, you know, back to what you were saying about, you know, like, uh, you know, being certified organic and all of that. I tell my students, if you tell a good story about your products and your services, you don't need anybody to put their stamp of approval. You know, sorry, USDA and Kakoff and all of that. You can tell a story, but the thing is, is that you have to tell the story continuously. That is transparency, and that is authenticity, and that's what you actually don't get in the market out there quite a lot. And that takes work, and that's why, you know, you know, I also teach a lot about the theory of the lone wolf. You know, you can't do anything by yourself. No man is an island. Uh, Self-sufficiency, I, I want everybody to hear this. Self-sufficiency is a myth. If you think you're going to grow all of your food and take care of all of your needs by yourself, look again at, you know, all the past, like who helped you, who, and how was your life when somebody was there with you and collaborated with you, you, you worked with someone or someone helped you, you know? Um, well, that's, if nothing else, just because one person can't have all the skill sets. Exactly. You know, not everyone knows how to, uh, you know, harvest seeds and, mm -hmm. and how to propagate and, you know, how to... Well, how those should be easy things to do. Yeah, well, I know, <laughs> but, but or, or in the terms of building, you know, they don't know how to weld or, or how to miter a joint or, you know, you, you know. Miter a joint, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, we're in Anza, that's okay, right. All right. I, I thought it was an inside joke. Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm funny, so yeah. there you go. Um, right, I, you know, not everyone can do it, and some people don't have physical strength. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, which is why, uh, you know, like the, um, you know, build barn builders. Yeah. You know, when the whole community comes together and they all come mm -hmm. and they do it together. You know, not everybody knows how to fell the timber and. Mm -hmm. I think of the three barns, 
you know, if you're there and you're paying attention and you're like involved, I think you can start being the barn master builder. Well, you're <laughs> a lot more practical yeah, than I am. Yeah, I can yeah. tell you, I couldn't learn a thing. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'd be watching and probably yeah. taking out the pipes. Like you were saying, like you know, there's like complementary skills and knowledge. I mean, <laughs> that is one of the biggest things that I wish I discovered earlier to to kind of like um, understand that, you know, yes, you know, you can take that role of an expert in a specific in a specific uh, area for sure. But again, you, you just can't do everything by yourself. So I, I wish I understood the value of that, of having people around with complementary knowledge and skills rather than like, oh my God, I have this idea, I'm gonna keep it for myself and wait for the right time to launch it a business idea of whatever, a nonprofit idea or whatever, you know, and it's just, sometimes it's as easy as just sharing that idea, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that and man, like things just come around and we live in the world right now that we can be connected with so many people and kind of like choose who we want to bring in and, 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 and sift through all of that, um, I don't know what you call it, you know, after you, you 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 use the after you mill the the corn and all oh, that. Oh you know. yeah, and you minnow and yeah, yeah. I mean, and there you know we can go into the metaphysical stuff of thing, energies and all that. You know, maybe like another time. Yeah, good <laughs> energies attract good energies and all that. But um, well, ANSA has a lot of good energies. I can yeah. tell you that that you know that there's energy vortexes up here, and it's all. There's a reason people are attracted to you. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'll tell you my story sometime, how I ended up in Anza. Mm -hmm. You know, coming from L.A., it's like, how would I end up actually in Oahu? Mm -hmm. And, you know, why would you end up in Anza? And there, there's something about this, this basin in here. We're surrounded on four sides with these mountains. And we've got our own little uh, idyllic place, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? The beautiful mm -hmm. stars at night that we all enjoy. And, uh, something that that is pulling people like-minded people here mm -hmm. it's, i find it really fascinating mm -hmm. the story of how people end up here and farming is so possible here like like food growing medicine growing it is just so possible it's amazing i mean you got water and of course i mean there's some people out there that can do pretty pretty cool com pretty cool calculations of how long would water last if even if we do it regeneratively and sustainably when we when we grow food um, you know and, and there's limits to that that's another thing to really think about um, and it can happen to a lot of rural places like the village where I'm from where you know there's like this rush of using all these natural resources and the, the goodness of the soil and the free water and all of that and you know people thought that was never gonna end we have limits at every freaking corner besides in our mind <laughs> and and what we can do and uh, you know we can learn we can definitely learn I love this place and it definitely you know of course uh, I feel like it's a it's a beauty to have this kind of like small town village kind of um, uh, feel to it and at the same time you know be an inviting space for people to come and visit and see something beautiful and you know don't bring their trash with them and uh, you know, come in and, and, and have good things and don't leave anything bad, but just good things. Maybe Tesla will figure out how to have the cars actually, you know, take carbon out of the Anza air and leave air, clean air behind, you know? Okay. So, 
Beautiful. Absolutely. So I think with that, I'd like to conclude this interview, and I will definitely be asking you and uh, your other partners to come in at uh, other times and talk to you about the different aspects of uh, what they're doing, uh, your uh, uh, your beautiful wife and, and new mother um, mm -hmm. is a, a, a beekeeper, and, yeah. and I saw the Adopt-A-Hive program that she's running and things like that. And, and um, and your other partners too all have do you know you've got a wide spectrum of, of talent and, mm -hmm. and uh, knowledge yeah. uh, that you're bringing up to us and so I'm really happy to see this. Yeah. Um, if uh, people want to find out more about you and your farm, in fact, I don't even think you mentioned the name of what your yeah. farm is. So, uh, contact information. How do people get in touch with you? Well, the the farm is Desert Bloom Farm, and we're in a process right now to to get uh, and be able to use the name of Desert Bloom Farm as a permaculture and regenerative research and education farm. So we're talking with some people in the industry and, and see how they feel about us taking that kind of uh, name for ourselves. Um, and then the organization that I've been running all these years, uh, you know, all the educational pro uh, programs, the consultancy and, um, and all of the good stuff, it's about and for sustainability. And I'm on Instagram really easily. People can find me about and for sustainability on Facebook also. Um, there's a website about and for sustainability. Um, I think I'm on Twitter, Tumblr. Um, and I think it would be really easily if anybody puts about and for sustainability or my name, Lucian Toma, really easily. Now, do you give tours of your current farm, or, or uh, is are you still private? In other words, if someone showed up at your gate, would you give a tour? No, not 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 yet, okay. and and we'll we'll make that possible. I think like we're in the process. Well, I think I know we're in the process right now. We're figuring out how the neighborhood feels about it. So we want to make it uh, as a space where people come and get deep dive education, and. Um, still thinking about what's the role of like kind of like showing um, you know and having like um, life interactions if you want to call it so we want people to be in if they're coming over okay all right <laughs> very good so no unexpected uh, visitors no not no. yet not until you're ready no. we we put the sign down but i think we're going to put it back up trespassing <laughs> 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 and plus, our dogs would be pretty upset too. So, oh. well, you know, in well, I don't know about Romania, but in Sweden, they don't have trespassing laws. Yeah, they call it all man's rights. You have the right to go on anybody's property oh anytime Lord. you want to. Oh Lord. Yeah, yeah I don't think that's going to work too well up here. Well, I mean, you know, if if you want to walk and come start working and give some volunteer hours, you're more than welcome. I love getting dirt under my fingernails. There I can't. We go. I can't wait. Okay, so thank you again. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this week's Cup of Fika with Anika. Tune in Wednesdays at 3 p.m. and a replay on Sundays at 1 p.m. If you have any questions or comments for me or my guests, please send an email to programming at koyt. 971.org and put FICA in the subject line. Enjoy the rest of your day!